good morning, everyone. I'm actually recording this a day early, um, actually on the 4th of July, but it will post on the 5th of July. Um, we're starting off with chapter four of My Darling Daughters. And I just hope, I hope you all had a wonderful 4th of July. I hope that you got to spend time with family and friends, that it was safe, that, that, you realize, especially with everything we've been through in the last couple of years, how blessed we truly are to get to live in this country. And you celebrated that as well. That the freedoms that we so much take for granted. Yes, I know that's not proper English, but we take so much for granted in this country. And I just hope that because of what we've been through these last couple of years, that, that this year, even more so, was a major celebration and realization of the blessings that have been bestowed upon each and every one of us. And no, our country is not perfect. It is far from perfect. However, we still live in the best country in the world because to protest in almost any other country in the world, you could be put in prison. You could be put to death. Your family could be killed. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of other countries that, that are not allowed to have the simple things that we take for granted. So I hope you all celebrated it. I hope you had a wonderful holiday with your family and friends. I hope it was enjoyable and it just really blessed you to the realization to get to live in this country. And as we start off on chapter four, verse one starts with the bridegroom king. Listen, my dearest darling, you are so beautiful. You are beauty itself to me. Your eyes glisten with love like gentle doves behind your veil. What devotion I see each time I gaze upon you. You are like a sacrifice ready to be offered. Verse two, when I look at you, I see how you have taken my fruit and tasted my word. Your life has become clean and pure, like a lamb washed and newly shorn. You now show grace and balance with truth on display. Verse three, your lips are as lovely as Rahab's scarlet ribbon, speaking mercy speaking grace the words of your mouth are as refreshing as an oasis what pleasure you bring to me i see your blushing cheeks opened like halves of pomegranates showing through your veil of tender meekness verse four when i look at you i see your inner strength so stately and strong you are as secure as David's fortress, your virtues and grace cause a thousand famous soldiers to surrender to your beauty. In verse five, your pure faith and love rest over your heart as you nurture those who are yet infants. Wow, there's so much here. There's just so much in this. We'll start off with the scarlet ribbon that it mentions in the text is a comparison to the ribbon Rahab had placed at her dwelling to show the place where mercy would spare her life. And did you know that Rahab is in direct connection 
with Jesus' bloodline. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, that just, wow, that just blows my mind. I never knew that until I started studying this. The color scarlet points us to the blood of mercy, Christ's sacrifice that has spared us. God always reminds us of his grace and mercy in our lives given to us freely from him. There are markers in our lives that remind us of God's goodness, grace, love, devotion, and forgiveness. If you can see them, if you can't, sorry, if you can't see them, if you can't recognize them, ask God to show you where they are. He will gladly, not to be boastful, but because he so desires for us to understand how much he loves us. Recently, the song, There Was Jesus by Zach Williams and Dolly Parton melted me one day on my way back to work from lunch. All of a sudden, I heard myself saying, where were you, God? I need to see where you were in those instances, in those moments of devastation and abuse. He is slowly showing me where he was, how he protected me, and that he never, never abandoned me in those moments. But he was there with me, holding me, surrounding me, protecting me from worse. His word promises that he will be there with us, even when we don't think he was. He was. And no, I didn't repeat my. I did repeat myself, but I didn't repeat myself. Even when we didn't think he was there, there is where he was in that moment. When we felt alone, when we were terrified, devastated, broken beyond belief, he is there. In those dark hidden away places, in our hearts and our minds, that our minds cannot even allow us to remember, he is there. And you have to look at that inability to remember as part of his protection over you because some things are just too painful for us to remember. And he spares us. He allows our mind to hide it away from us so that we don't have to live that terror over and over and over. Um, it brings to mind, I used to have nightmares. <clears throat> I don't remember what the nightmares were about. I just remember waking up so terrified. As an adult, so terrified, shaking, like physically shaking. 
and I didn't know why, but I couldn't go back to sleep because I was so afraid of what was there. And I'm so thankful that God removed those nightmares. And like I said, I have no idea what those nightmares were about. I don't remember them. I just remember waking up just not even really waking up and just the words escape me to describe, but basically being shocked awake or tormented awake out of the dream and being so terrified. You know, even as an adult to go back to sleep, afraid, even with my husband laying next to me in bed, afraid, terrified to go back to sleep. And I finally asked God one day to remove them. If he was not going to reveal them, to remove them. And I'm very, very glad to say that he removed them. So I obviously don't need to remember them. But I'm, And I'm sure they're connected to part of my devastating childhood. But that's my past. God is showing me my future. And in that, he wants me to focus, to focus on him. Our pasts are our past for a reason. God's calling us into a future, and we need to step into that. We'll move on. In verse 6, it's the Shulamite responding. I've made up my mind until the darkness disappears and the dawn has fully come in spite of the shadows and fears. I love this. I will go to the mountaintop with you, the mountain of suffering love, and the hill of burning incense. Yes, I will be your bride. Here, the bride, you, me, us, decides. This is when we decide to accept salvation, to take on as you will, the adventure. It warns us it will not be easy. It may be dark and fearful. However, knowing this, we make our decision to accept his love, this gift of love and forgiveness and salvation to walk with him through it all. Oh, I love that, that part. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay, moving on, verse 7. The bridegroom king responds, Every part of you is beautiful, my darling. Perfect is your beauty without flaw within. Verse 8. Now you are ready, my bride to come with me as we climb the highest peaks together. Come with me through the archway of trust. We will look down from the crest together. Sorry. We will look down from the crest of the glistening mounts and from the summit of our sublime sanctuary. Together, we will wage war in the lion's den and the leopard's lair as they watch nightly for their prey. 
verse 9, for you reach into my heart with one flash of your eyes. I am undone by your love, my beloved, my equal, my bride. You leave me breathless. Ugh, I am overcome by merely a glance from your worshiping eyes. For you have stolen my heart. I am held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. Verse 10, how satisfying to me, my equal, my bride. Your love is my fine, my finest wine. Intoxicating and thrilling and your sweet perfumed praises. So exotic, so pleasing. Verse 11, your loving words are like the honeycomb to me. Your tongue releases milk and honey. For I find the promised land flowing within you. The fragrance of your worshiping love surrounds you with scented robes of white. Verse 12, my darling bride, my private paradise, fastened to my heart, a secret spring are you that no one else can have, my bubbling fountain hidden from public view. What a perfect partner to me now that I have you. Verse 13 and 14. Your inward life is now sprouting, bringing forth fruit. What a beautiful paradise unfolds within you. When I am near you, I smell aromas of the finest spice. For many clusters of my exquisite fruit now grow within your inner garden. Here are the nine pomegranates of passion, henna from heaven, spikenard so sweet, saffron shining, fragrant calamus from the cross, sacred cinnamon, branches of scented woods, myrrh like tears from a tree, and aloe as eagles ascending. Verse 15, we'll finish this verse and then we'll dig into all this, this goodness in here. From verse 15, your life flows into mine, pure as a garden spring. A well of living water springs up from within you like a mountain brook flowing into my heart. Oh my goodness, if somebody were to write a love letter to me like this, if my husband could write this, I love the written word. That The written word to me is one of my definite love languages because it's something I can always go back to. I can always refer to. And here, here is the most perfect, beautiful love letter that God has ever allowed to be written. And he's written it to us. He's written it to us. Goodness, this one, this, this chapter, for the most part, 
just uh, caused so much emotion. And I will not, I refuse to apologize for, for my emotion and for my tears because this is my heart that I'm sharing with you. And I, I hope it blesses you. I hope it ministers to you. And I hope it helps you understand that this whole thing was a gift from God that he allowed me to do this and to share in this podcast with all of my ups and downs and all of my mistakes. But here we go. Let's dig into this. Oh, I can't wait. From verse 7 through verse 15. I believe this is a description of the new life that starts to bloom in our hearts and our, our lives as we accept Jesus' invitation of salvation. The sweet song of salvation that rises up within us, it is, a sweet, it is as sweet as the purest milk and honey. It is treasured by God because it flows from our heart. To his. And this is just the beginning. That is never where it starts. Sorry. That is never where it stops. (laughs) Forgive me. Unless we stop it there. Once the seed is planted. Fruit grows. Flowers bloom. And the fragrance of salvation is everywhere. We see new hope, new life, new dreams. Not to say that some of this journey isn't hard and treacherous, that it isn't dark and difficult. It is, and it will be. However, from this point on, we do not travel this adventure alone. And I'm going to pause right here just for a moment so we can just really think about those last few verses. Okay, thank you for that pause. I needed to get some water. (laughs) You wouldn't think talking would um, cause your voice to to get a little raspy, but it surely does. All right, we're going to pick up. Um, We talked about, however, from this point on, we do not travel this adventure alone. This is where the fragrance comes in. Have you... Have you ever seen a godly woman grieving? If you look into her eyes deep enough, you see the pain of the loss she has suffered. Nevertheless, she doesn't drop her head or her gaze and feel sorry for herself. She lifts her head, she smiles, and she cares for and prays over others. She loves others with a deeper sense of love, a more urgent, desperate love than ever before. Why? Because she knows time is fleeting. She extends grace and forgiveness because she has been given grace and forgiveness and love because she knows a deeper sense of it now. These are the fruits of this journey. 
they are not easily acquired. It comes from choosing to stand on God's promises, even when we don't like the outcome. We will not ever understand it all here on earth. But like a wonderful woman of God said to me before, Pastor Deborah Cobre, the way we believe is how we will grieve. And that we need to stay in our persistent faith. This does not mean that we, in our quiet times, don't cry, miss what or who we have lost. We are allowed to grieve. We are just not allowed to stay there. Like a friend of mine told me once when I was struggling with a situation, I will admit at the time I was devastated, like someone had ripped my heart out of my chest. She told me, you can stop here for a moment, but we are not camping here. Fruit doesn't grow in campsites. Fruit grows in the wilderness. Through our struggles, we grow the faith, the worship, the praise, the thankfulness, a deeper connection to the God who created us. As long as we choose to focus on him, lay it at his feet and leave it there. We can get up, dry our tears, straighten our tiara, and face a new day, one step at a time. I am reminded of a song that says, farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brothers. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. We will understand it one day. Remember, tree saplings don't bear fruit. They must grow stronger so that they have the necessary nutrients to provide fruit. That comes with struggle. I mean, we, you know, this thought just popped into my head really about fruit trees. We assume they just grow trees. Sorry, we, we assume they just grow fruit. But an apple tree is not going to grow an orange. A pear tree is not going to grow a banana. They grow the fruit they were designed to grow. They were created to grow. But that doesn't make that an easy job. I mean, it's it's pretty hard. They've got to face some pretty tough elements. A lot of apple trees and orange trees don't grow in warm climates. They grow in colder climates. That's got to be harder on them because they don't have the warmth. It doesn't allow the sap to travel all year long. 
you know, in certain areas, you can you can grow palm trees. In other areas, you absolutely cannot. They have to have a tropical environment. So their jobs, even though they appear easy, they are not. Growing fruit is not an easy job. All right, let's move on. We are up to verse 16 in chapter 4. And this is the bride responding to what, <laughs> what he has said to us in the last few parts of the chapter. Verse 16, the Shulamite bride. Then may your awakening breath blow upon my life until I am fully yours. Breathe upon me with your spirit wind. Stir up the sweet spice of your life within me. Spare nothing as you make me your fruitful garden. Hold nothing back until I release your fragrance. Come walk with me as you walked with Adam in your paradise garden. Come taste the fruits of your life in me. And the bridegroom king responds, I have come to you, my darling bride, for you are my paradise garden. The Shulamite bride responds, Come walk with me until I am fully yours. Come taste the fruits of your life in me. Again, I have to say, wow. Sometimes I wish there were ways for me to transplant the pictures that God has given me as I read these verses. However, I will do my best to describe them. In verse 16, she is fully giving herself to God, asking for the Holy Spirit to breathe on her, fill her completely with his Holy Spirit. It says, spare nothing as you make me your fruitful garden. This is completely surrendered to God, fearing nothing but life without him. This is the ultimate desire of a surrendered heart to be so full of his Holy Spirit that there is a different fragrance about us, that we reflect, shine, glow differently than ever before. His response to her is, of course, I will give you all that you are asking of me. He tells her that he already sees it in her. Mm. Because he sees who we are in him, even before we are what he sees. Oh, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> Finally, in this chapter, she once again requests his presence with her always that he reside in her and enjoy his fruits in her life. She is saying, now that I have tasted of your fruits, I do not ever want to be without them. 
This is a reflection of the church, also referred to as the bride of Christ. I also see this as a love letter to women of all nations, all tribes, all colors, all backgrounds, and all heritages. We as women are created to express the tenderness of God's heart towards mankind. We are created differently than men for a specific reason and purpose. We are created to create and carry new life within our very own bodies to give a glimpse of God's true nature towards all of mankind. God created us to live in a relationship with him, not without him. However, he did give us free will. He allows us to make the decision to either live with or without him. He rejoices when he chooses, when we choose him, and he mourns when we do not. Why? Because, because he is the God of love, the God of forgiveness, the God of grace, the God of mercy, the God of patience, the God of kindness, and the God of restoration. You know, as I was reading a part up here, I'm going to try and find it as I talk to you right now. But there was a picture that God very distinctly gave me as I was reading that we as women are created to express the tenderness of God's heart towards mankind. We are created differently than men for a specific reason and purpose. At that moment, God reminded me of the abuse, the attack on women, specifically women, to jade our hearts, to cause us to be hard-hearted, to cause us to hold back God's true design in sharing his heart with all of humanity. God created women to be tender. He gave us hearts that break on purpose to empathize, to have compassion, to be able to express understanding, to express love. The love of God in a way others cannot. Those, those of us women who have suffered these abuses God has a calling on you, on your life, to share 
that love that you feel so deeply. And that is why you were so severely attacked because Satan knew the purpose on your life way before you ever did. And he set out to destroy it because if he can destroy that calling, not that God can't put it on somebody else, but somebody that God is seeking will not, you will not be allowed to minister to if you do not understand the calling on your life. If you do not step into that, somebody might not make it to heaven. Somebody might not ever hear how much God loves them. Somebody so broken by society. Somebody that because of your brokenness, only you can reach may not ever know God if you choose to walk away and not follow that path that God is calling you on. Yeah, it's scary. <laughs> Goodness gracious, it can be scary. But you're not doing it alone. God is there with you. He is. He has determined your steps. He has made the provisions are already there. Everything we need to be successful in the life that he has called us to is already there. And it will be there the moment we need it and not a moment sooner. Because he knows. We can get greedy. We can be wasteful. So God provides it when we need it. And not a moment sooner. Not because he's trying to hold it back from us. Not because he's trying to keep and prove and show, oh, you know, I'm God, so I'm in control. Yes, he's in control. However, there are things we need to learn along the paths. And a lot of times, especially with us women who have been damaged and broken. Trust. Trust. And trust is a step by step by step and sometimes a breath at a time. I still struggle. I, I, my heart desires wholeheartedly to trust God and I want so much and he knows my heart and he knows I want to trust him wholeheartedly. And yet I still struggle with trust because of the brokenness. But I am learning day by day, moment by moment, breath sometimes by breath that I can trust him that he is trustworthy. 
that he will always be with me, that he will always protect me and keep me. His word promises it to me. And God does not break his promises ever. Ladies, with that, I leave you for today. I speak God's blessing over you. We will pick up next Monday, already on chapter five, if you can believe it. I hope this blessed you. I hope this ministered to you. I hope this spoke to your heart in a way you've never heard before. And even gentlemen, if there are men listening, this is for you too. This is not just for women. I believe that God can speak to you through this also. Because there are some really broken men, some broken damaged men out there that have suffered the same hurts that us women have suffered. Because there's a deeper caller calling on your life. And I just, I just ask God to take this and use it however he designs it to be used. I pray this next week is a blessed week. I pray that you are drawn closer and deeper in your walk with God. That you are more courageous and more bold to share your story with other people to minister to other people. But most of all, I pray you have a wonderful adventure. God bless you.